This is Daniel Figel, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. We've got another interesting use case for you this week. We're t- going to be talking about artificial intelligence, specifically computer vision, applied to fish farming. And no, this isn't because I'm presuming we have a lot of fish farmers who are tuned in, but because I think this is a very interesting example of how computer vision can be used in an industry that really isn't very AI savvy to still add value to workflows. And we talk about these use case episodes, and those of you who've tuned into our Tuesday episodes for a long time already know this. We like to look at where is the juncture in the workflow where AI can add value. It's very silly to say AI for fraud. AI for recommendations. Those are broad statements. Where exactly does artificial intelligence fit into the workflow? And this is a really interesting and neat example of how some factors around compliance, particularly compliance in what is called aquaculture or the equivalent of agriculture but in the water, how compliance in aquaculture has led to the need for these computer vision systems and why AI is the right tool for the job. Our guest this week is Brighton Shang, who's the CEO of Aquabyte. Uh, Aquabyte is the company that applies computer vision to detecting the health and the behavior of various fish species at fish farms. And Brighton goes into not only how the product works, but how he was able to build a product that was a fit for kind of a quite a non-technical audience, if you will. So what is the setup of hardware? What is the setup of software? And how does it come together to orchestrate value for folks who really don't want to learn how to do AI. I thought this was a lot of fun to record, and Brighton was also introduced to us by our sponsor for this week's episode, Kisako Research. If you're interested in artificial intelligence at the edge, and today we're talking about computer vision at the edge, but if you're interested more broadly in AI use cases at the edge, whether it's out on a fish farm, out on an autonomous vehicle, out on a satellite, wherever the case may be, be sure to check out the Edge AI Summit. Very easy to Google, Edge AI Summit, taking place virtually from November 18th through 20th. Again, Kasako Research is our sponsor for this week's episode. Hope you enjoy this use case. Without further ado, we're going to fly in. This is Brighton with Aquabyte here on the AI and Business Podcast. So, Brighton, I know we're going to talk about sort of artificial intelligence in the future of aquaculture, but because this space is so nascent, I'm sure most of our audience are not exactly familiar with how aquaculture operates today. Maybe you could tell us some of the tasks that folks who run these giant fish farms need to manage on a regular basis, and then we'll talk about where AI fits in. Sure, that sounds sounds good. Uh, So fish farms are really talking about large operations. So we have these nets in the sea. They come, they put little fish in, they feed the fish every day, and the goal is to be able to grow the fish to be large fish, harvest them, and send them to your local supermarket. So every day we're talking about feeding the fish, keeping the fish healthy, making sure that we can do the proper day-to-day activities to make sure that they're growing the fish most efficiently. Yeah, so you know we had talked off microphone. You mentioned things like looking at sea lice. You know, obviously right now you're talking about feeding. Well, of course that makes sense. Anything we're going to harvest that's actually an animal needs to be fed. In terms of the the core operations, what's done on a day-to-day, week-to-week, there's got to be some kind of cleaning activity. There's there's the parasite maintenance deal. There's there's the actual harvesting process. There's the feeding. What, what are the big things that take up chunks of time here and, and how do they operate today? What are some of those time-consuming things that humans are doing now that AI might be able to do in the future? Sure. So I, I group it into a couple different categories. So first is feeding. So we want to be able to feed the fish every day. And this is understanding what's the appetite of the fish. How much are we feeding? Are we feeding too much, feeding too little? Are the fish growing appropriately? 
there's another aspect that's the fish health side. So of course we're growing food that's going to be consumed by humans and and that's a, a food safety concern, but also from an environmental perspective, we also want to make sure that the fish are healthy from a welfare perspective. And, and so those are tasks such as making sure that the fish don't have parasites, such as sea lice, as you're talking about. And this is something that's actually regulated. So, uh, and then, and then other diseases and both behavioral and different aspects of the fish. And, and that's really it. It's just making sure that the fish are healthy and fed every day. Yeah. We think about what fish health looks like. I mean, my presumption of what this would look like today, maybe we can just have a, I don't know, a set of cameras underwater next to the feeding tank so we can see what they look at while they're feeding and get a sense of, oh, are they turning some color or are they showing some symptoms of behavior that makes us think they're diseased or what have you? Or we just have humans go out in a little dinghy, pick up a bucket full of them, take a look at them in the bucket. We get a sample size of however many dozen a day just to get a general pulse of disease state of affairs and then we drop them back in. Is that what it looks like to sort of maintain today? Right now, it's really difficult. So just to take a typical farm, like a salmon farm in Norway, we're, we're talking about pens that are the size, like diameter, half a football field and 100 feet deep and that has like 100, 200,000 fish. So to actually properly monitor that type of population is almost impossible just because you're talking about such a large population. And it's, I mean, even standing at the side of a pen, you can only see maybe like 5% of what's going on. So really, it's these enabling technologies like via a camera that can help identify parasites on the fish or other wounds or other, other fish health aspects of the fish that previously weren't really feasible. I mean, you'd have like fish health biologists go out and sample a couple fish, but really not that statistically significant. And you don't want to be handling the fish. So, so this is really new applications of this technology to fish health. So it was done manually in some way, shape or form you know, for, for lack of a better term, a bucket and, you know, scoop enough of them to get an idea, you know, do, do enough of them have parasites for us to get really nervous and want to treat them with something that could be, you know, otherwise unhealthy or, or not, but not really based on robust statistical significance. Yeah. In fact, like in Norway, for example, it's required by law to sample every pen, 10 or 20 fish every week. So they're constantly going out to the pens and sampling the fish. Yeah. Okay. Manually. So, yeah, I guess we can talk a little bit about where AI fits into the mix here. Uh, you know, you have these core activities around feeding and health, and then you have, you know, your harvesting. Where does artificial intelligence, at least in the case of what you folks are developing, find its way into saving time, saving money, uh, producing efficiencies for these, these gigantic fish farms? So there's certainly one aspect, which is we're, we're talking about the underwater environment the ocean's a rough environment, and and so being able to observe, subsea how the fish are doing is 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 really this new thing. And we're also talking about farms in fairly remote regions, so they're 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 literally in the fjords or in in the ocean, and and their connectivity is limited. So you do want to have most of your processing happen on the camera, and 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 so that's where sort of this edge AI comes in, where we can do a lot of the processing of the images on the camera, identify things at the fish farm that, yeah, I mean, health of the fish, size of the fish that you wouldn't be able to do before. And it's really insights where uh, this data, you wouldn't be able to collect it any other way. 
Yeah. So I'm going to kind of what I like to do for the podcast, you know, it's an audio format here. So I like to paint a mental picture for the listeners as to what these kind of AI deployments look like. Here's what I see in my mind, and I'd like you to maybe validate this for the folks tuned in at home. I'm seeing a bunch of kind of buoys that have poles underneath them with cameras at varying depths, probably next to some kind of feeding source because we probably aren't placing them randomly. Maybe we are, but my guess is we're not. My guess is we're, we're placing them in places where we think we're going to see the most fish, not just scattering the cameras. So buoys with poles underneath them, cameras, maybe cameras in a 360, you know, going around in different directions. And we're gauging, you know, you mentioned two things. One was size of fish. That seems to make a lot of sense. You know, what's the average size of a fish in this particular environment? The second was looking for certain disease signals. So I don't know exactly what that is, but maybe your algorithms have some sense of what does a fish with a really bad lice problem look like? What's a louse look like on the outside of a fish if maybe they ever show up there? What are other external conditions that are indicative of other maybe fungal diseases or Lord knows how fish get infected. You would know better than I. But size, disease, buoys, upside down poles. Am, am I on the right page or talk to me about what this looks like? I think that's pretty close. So we're talking underwater cameras and we, we, we actually use ropes to suspend them in okay, the pen. Okay, got it. And you can actually move around the camera to where the fish are. And, and, and yeah, otherwise they're underwater taking pictures of the fish and fish are schooling and then you're getting a representative sample of the population. So you have ropes that are tied on both ends and they're kind of, I imagine them kind of dipping like a U, you know, into the pen in some way and you can kind of move them to the right, move them to the left and you can get a right, kind of a right. panorama of as many of these fish as you can. Right. That's cool. Okay. Um, so size disease, is that basically it? Is that what we're trying to suck out of these cameras or are there other things we want to process on the hardware and pipe out? Yeah, it's pretty much, uh, if, if you imagine like anything you can observe, like we would be interested in. So it's size, disease, uh, also behavioral aspects. So are they, how fast are they swimming? Yeah. Um, which indicator of stress. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's cool. We're also looking at like other aspects of fish health. So pretty much it's, it's funny, any disease you can really think of, like for humans, there's some analog. <laughs> there's some corollary. Yeah. Uh, there's like skin diseases, so you can see scale loss yeah. or other problems, deformities, like if the fish has matured. And then these are important because actually when you think about buying your salmon in the supermarket, like you don't want to buy a deformed fish that has some problems with it. You want like a nice, healthy fish. And Yep. Totally makes sense. Okay. So let me know if I'm right about this as well. You folks, when you go in and you deploy one of these systems, I presume the good news is if you train on enough images of some skin disease for salmon, which I'm pre I presume there's, there's, you know, again, like you said, an eczema corollary for salmon. If you train on enough of those, then you can hypothetically go to fish farm 10 or 50, drop a rope in there, and you can just pick up on them. It's not like a, a new data set for this fish. It's like, well, no, we know what the salmon disease looks right. like. Presuming right. that the water maybe opacity or whatnot is, is relatively equivalent and we're not dealing with an entirely different kind of you know, water they're swimming in or something, you, you can probably pick it up. So for you folks, I imagine training your system has had to involve, hey, what are the diseases where we have enough volume of them to actually train an algo and where farmers actually care enough for it to be worth us spending money to train a damn algo? And, um, and then let's go ahead and knuckle down there. Did you have to do some of that thinking and developing your product? Like, hey, what are we going to focus on? There's an unlimited number of diseases here. Where do we knuckle down? How did you think through that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we actually have, I mean, we started off with sea lice as our first product and, and that was largely due to this 
regulatory requirement where you're required by law to do it. And so it's a huge pain point. And, and that's a clear one to address via a camera. And, and, then, and then you sort of create the Pareto list of what, what's the best bang for the buck. And that was really after that is growth and how the fish, what, what is the weight of the fish and how are they evolving over time? Um, and after that, it's it's other aspects of fish health. But but really, I mean, it ties to like, yeah, I mean, the ROI for a farmer and how much money they're spending to count the sea lice or how much is it costing them to not have the growth that they expected. And and, and so, we, yeah, we, we went through that exercise. And then the other side of it is like, how complex is that to build from an engineering perspective? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, you, you have, I imagine a spreadsheet, right? It's a value to farmer frequency that it occurs maybe and then something else like difficulty in training right some some very nuanced disease where one in every three fish have some small things show up in their eyeballs or their lip or something it's like it's going to be really really tough to you, you might be able to do it but god it's going to be really hard versus something where the visible signs are much easier and with a relatively limited data set and, and turnaround time you could actually get some a, lot of, a lot of a lot of customer interviews a lot of yeah. i mean i lived in Way basically when I started the business and, yeah. and just to get a sense of what was important to farmers. Yeah, well, your homepage shows it. So <laughs> <laughs> those of you who check out their their site, you got some uh, some Nordic language there in the main video. So um, yeah, so let's talk last about the importance of processing on the edge. Like you said, these farms are way out in the fjords. You know, those of you who want to Google FJORD, go ahead and do that if you're not familiar with the word. But these folks are not right next to maybe the greatest, you know, connection to the cloud possible. So what has to happen, I guess, on the camera itself? And then what gets piped through? I guess if I think about this, it's like it's, it's only going to be sending individual stills when it believes something of relevance has been detected, or maybe it doesn't send stills. It just sends of X fish, X number have lice from this camera during this time period. Talk to us about what gets processed and what gets sent out. Yeah, you're you're spot on. So the farms have varying bandwidth availability, and so we're we're operating in some sites that's satellite access. So really, there we're mainly just processing everything on the camera and then sending back back the basic numbers. Others where there's better bandwidth, we are sending back images, and that's so. So ultimately, you're looking on this at a website, and you can see the lice levels and everything, but you can also see pictures of the actual captures and. And in that case, that, okay, that's like very interesting for a farmer to feel validated that the algorithm is actually doing what it say it's doing. Yeah. And, and, and also for our training purposes, we do want to capture anomalous footage of the fish and, and make sure our algorithm is doing the right thing. Cool. So, all right. Makes sense. So yeah, you get enough stills to sort of validate the big patterns, but then you have your dashboard set up. I realize actually, well, we got a pinch left and you mentioned something before we started recording where I was like, oh, I'm going to have you talk about that. You talk about what the future is here in terms of what the future of fish farming might be, you know, uh, autonomous farms, maybe eventually the future. You've got a little bit of a picture of where this is headed based on the world's need for protein. Talk to us about where you see this technology maybe playing a role in a bigger trajectory for aquaculture writ large. So if if you look at just food production in general, we're, we're basically running out of arable land to grow more food. And so we, we need to look towards sustainably harvesting the oceans to be able to fill that protein deficit. And so aquaculture actually has been the fastest growing sector of food production. The challenge here is really that 
until you can automate, you, you, you can only really grow fish in locations that there's people to go to the farms to actually operate the farm. And so with more automation via AI technology, you can eventually have these fully autonomous fish farms that are operating in the, the middle of the ocean that are producing tremendous amount of protein that ultimately can help fulfill that protein, protein gap. Yeah. So you're, you're imagining not just the monitoring that you folks do, but some kind of manual feeding process that's you know, doled out and measured in some sense, and maybe even some kind of a, a harvesting process that might be funneled in some way where at a certain threshold, I'm not exactly sure how this would get done, but we'd have maybe a certain percentage of the fish you know, pinched off from their big pen into some other pen, which would then just get kind of scooped and lifted and dropped on some boat, which maybe a human isn't even driving. Is this sort of what you're imagining? Yeah, well, certainly. I mean, I've, I've heard really crazy ideas of like pens and following the currents and showing up on the shores of Japan and, and delivering <laughs> fully grown fish. I mean, I think, yeah, certainly I think the bulk of the effort again is just feeding the fish and keeping them healthy and the day-to-day activities that can be automated via AI that understands how much actually food does the fish need and, and monitor for different diseases. And, and, and so maybe it's, slightly human assisted, uh, but largely kind of automated such that you don't need people living out in the middle of the ocean to run the farm. Yeah. Wow. Note taken on that. Hopefully that's painting a little bit of a sci-fi picture for those of you who are at home, but this stuff is going is to be real at some point and we'll see how much of that comes to fruition in the decade ahead. Brighton, I know that's all we have for time, but thanks so much for being able to join us on the show. Yeah. Thanks. And uh, great to be here. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this use case. If you're interested in more use cases, you want to see the full library of what it is that we have here at Emerge in terms of all the hundreds of use cases across industries that we've covered in terms of individual vendor companies and specifically where AI adds value into workflows across different business processes, then check out Emerge Plus. One of the best features of Emerge Plus, in addition to our AI white paper library and our AI best practice guides, is our AI Use Case Explorer, where you can click across industries and look at applications based on which AI approach is used, NLP, computer vision, etc., which business process is being impacted, which major companies are deploying those applications. So if you really have a hunger for a range of use cases to be able to apply them to your business or for your clients, especially if you serve other clients and you need a plethora of use cases to draw from, then check out Emerge Plus. It's emerj.com slash P1. We have almost twice as many members as we did two months ago. The program is certainly still growing, and I hope to be able to have you with us if you're not already a member. That's emerj.com slash P1 to learn more. That's all for this episode. I look forward to catching you on Thursday's episode here on the AI and Business Podcast. 